Physical inactivity is a crisis. The health implications of inactivity will cost the world economy upward of $27 billion annually, totaling $300 billion between 2020 and 2030. Hey there, welcome to the Biohacker Babes podcast. We are your hosts. I'm Renee, a certified nutritional consultant with a master's degree in nutrition. What's up? And I'm Lauren, functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner and Czech movement specialist. We're sisters and we're joining forces to empower you to become your own biohacker and upgrade your life. Our mission is to provide actionable steps so you can optimize your health, strengthen your intuition and support your body's natural healing abilities because life is too short to not feel your best every single day. Thank you for joining us and welcome to the show. Welcome to episode 170 of the Biohacker Babes. My name is Renee and I'm tuning in with my sister, Lauren, as always. Hello, Renee, tuning in from Maryland today and I have a sweater on. I think maybe the first of the season, it is officially cold. Well, who knows? That could change tomorrow, but today is a little (laughs) dry. You look nice and wintry. It's cute. Yeah, thank you. And yesterday you were up on your roof wearing a onesie and a a hat. That was really (laughs) shocking. To see in Vegas. <laughs> yes. I'm sure it'll be a hundred degrees next week though. That's, that's Vegas for you. Oh man. I was like, I felt a little validated. I was like, haha, she's cold Ha-ha. too. <laughs> I'm so mean. <laughs> yes. It feels a little bit like fall, which is nice because Halloween is just a couple days away. I guess by the time this comes out, it'll be a couple days after Halloween. So hopefully everyone had a great Halloween. Didn't eat too much candy. Maybe no candy. Cause you all know that. Is what you should do. <laughs> candy. What's candy? Oh, man. Yeah. I just went to, uh, my husband and I just went to Disneyland for their Halloween party. And it's so funny because they give you this little bag to collect candy and you can literally go trick or treating in the park. And I always do research before I go to Disney because I'm a Disney nerd. And mm-hmm. people are like, oh, pro tip bring a grocery bag so you can get extra candy. No, 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 no. Bring a <laughs> tiny little pocketbook. <laughs> yeah. So I actually ended up, I just didn't even take the bag when I got there. I literally grabbed like one candy the whole night. I was like, oh gosh, but people were just like loading up on the nastiest. Ugh, actually anyways. no bag at all. Just hold out your hands. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they had grapes at one of them. And Ryan was like, grapes. <laughs> I was like, that is funny that that's usually like our dessert. And that's like the healthy snack at Disney. Yeah. Or other end of the spectrum. Some people are like, grapes, they're going to spike my blood sugar. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's all relative. All okay. relative. All right. So just the babes today. We got a fun episode for you all. We're going to talk about some of the latest biohacking experiments we are doing. Uh, a couple client wins, some questions that we got from our lovely followers on Instagram. And then I thought it'd be fun to share some of like the top trends and latest research that we've been reading about because it's so fun to stay up to date on that. I'm going to kick it off with what we're experimenting with. There's a big one that we both have. And I know, Lauren, you posted about this on Instagram and you got a flood of comments and questions. So I think this is a good good place to kick it off. It was like 12 of the same question, actually. (laughs) Yes, of course. Of course. We knew that was coming. All right. Uh We're talking about the eight sleep mattress slash mattress cover. We actually had Mateo on from Eight Sleep about two years ago talking about this. So if it piques your interest, you can go back and listen to the whole episode. We dive really deep into the, the research behind it. But basically what it is, is you can either buy a full mattress or you can get the cover to go on top of your mattress and it cools and heats your bed to match what your body needs in the moment. 
So we know that sleep temperature is really important, right? We typically recommend maybe around 65 to 67 degrees in your bed, in your bedroom at night when you're sleeping, because that promotes more deep sleep. But actually we want cooler temperatures during deep sleep. And we want it to warm slightly as we go into REM sleep and then warm as we wake up. And that's where this really cool technology comes in because it's changing your bed temperature throughout the night, but it's also reading all of your biometrics throughout the night, like uh, heart rate variability, your heart rate, your sleep stages, sleep latency, respiratory rate. It's reading all that and trying to match it. So I think this is like the ultimate biohack for your bed because obviously the our ancestors didn't have anything like this, but some of the stats they're seeing, I thought this was pretty cool. Overall, they're seeing about 32% increase in sleep quality, 19% better recovery, and 34% more deep sleep. And I know people Hmm. are always like, how do I get more deep sleep? How do I thrive on less sleep? And I think if you can improve your sleep quality, you can get by with less hours of sleep. So it's a pretty cool idea. So I would say we're still pretty new. We're only a couple of weeks in. We have the latest version of the eight sleep. So what it does is it gets to know your body over about seven nights, and then it creates this autopilot program. So the autopilot is where it really reads your body throughout the night and makes the changes. And then when you wake up in the morning, you can look at all your sleep stats. Like I mentioned all this biometrics, my biometrics it's looking at, but then it'll even tell you how many times the mattress changed to improve your sleep. So if it senses like, okay, you're tossing and turning at two, we change the temperature, you fall back asleep. Okay. That was one positive change. I seem to be getting about four changes a night. I don't know. What are you seeing? Oh, I don't know. Let me look. I just started paying attention to that in the last two days. Let's see what it did last night. Like I said, we're just getting into the autopilot side of things. Um, like most of these three updates, three three updates updates last night. Yeah. Which is nice. I mean, they're kind of micro adjustments, but it uh, I appreciate it because I feel like me being a light sleeper dolphin, you know, I've struggled with sleep stuff. I will take the micro adjustment for that much less of a chance that I could wake up and be uncomfortable for some reason. I get really hot in the middle of the night. So I, that is like the big win for eight sleep versus something like chili or, you know, their newer Uller. You can't regulate. Am I correct in this saying you cannot modulate through the night? Correct. I think, I believe they are working on that technology and it is coming out any day now. Oh, right behind. behind. Yes. Yes. It's all happening very fast. Yes. Um, Your body temper doesn't stay the same through the entire night. Like Renee said, it's kind of changing throughout the day and uh, your body temperature is going to drop as you start to go to bed. And then it kind of bottoms out right before you wake up and then it comes back up. So the eight sleep actually does the inverse where you can start really cold And then as the night goes on, it'll get a little less cold. And then it actually gets, you can set it. So it's really warm right when you wake up. So I know for me, like I get hot in the middle of the night. These are my challenges. And then I'm freezing when I wake up. So eight sleep is going to counteract that. It does the opposite. So you're actually very, very comfortable. I have found that I actually wake up really, really well and easily. And I've been waking up. This is pretty consistent since I've had the eight sleep. I've been waking up before my alarm. Not that I really rely on my alarm, but I always have this a little bit of an internal panic mode. I'm like, in case I don't wake up, I'm going to set my alarm. Oh yeah. Always. But I've been waking up earlier than when I normally wake up with the eight sleep, but I think it's the warmth. And I think also I'm just getting more complete sleep stages, deeper sleep. I am not 
sure if I'm like solidly reflecting that in my sleep stats, but maybe as you bring up some stuff, I'm going to, I'm going to look at my stats and present that, but I feel like I'm sleeping a lot better. So that's great. Subjectively reported. Subjectively. Yeah. Positive. Yeah. Awesome. Great. Yeah. I think objectively, I definitely want to keep looking at my aura and my biostrap and see if I can sync with that. The other feature I really like is the wake up. So you can set a 30 minute range of when you want to wake up. So like, okay, I definitely need to be up by eight o'clock. So between seven 30 and eight, it'll assess when your body is most refreshed and ready to wake up. And I do the vibration and the warmth, but you can mm-hmm. do just too. vibration, just warmth. You can do both. I like, I like doing both because it's very gentle. It's just like a little bzz, bzz to wake you up. And if you have a partner in your bed that you don't want to wake up, they can't feel it which is amazing. So it is a dual, dual uh, mode there. Unless your partner is a dog, <laughs> in uh, which case Rudy <laughs> is hypersensitive to it. I can like, I can barely hear it or feel it. It's enough for, to wake me up, but he is like hyper alert. He'll oh, jump no. up. I think he's starting to get used to it, but man, his senses are so sharp. Yeah. That doesn't surprise Amazing. me. Animals are so smart. Yeah. But I do like that vibration. I think it's much better than no, there's different alarms on the iPhone now and can wake up to refreshing sounds and bells and birds. But still, I find that the vibration, like the physical sensation tends to be a little less jarring than the audio sensations, the oral. Right. Yeah. Right. And just the ability to not hopefully wake you up mid sleep cycle. It tries to wait for you to complete a sleep cycle because everyone has experience where you make up, wake up like mid REM sleep and then you're just so groggy for the first half of your day. So. That's definitely a great feature. Okay, I we have to come to the big question that everyone wants to know. Yeah. The EMFs on it. Yes, we are very aware of this issue. We asked, we have asked 8Sleep a lot about this over the last couple of years. There are some EMFs coming off of it because it is connected to your phone by Bluetooth. I keep my phone in the other room, but that is a Bluetooth connection. There is also some Wi-Fi. Again, I think it's always about balance. This is my personal opinion. I want to see if it improves my sleep. If it makes a huge difference with my sleep over the next couple of weeks or couple of months, I think it is potentially worth it. I sleep with a grounding bracelet on to help with, protect me from EMFs. I have a Soma Vedic next to my bed, which is an EMF protector. I have no other electronics in my bedroom. My aura ring, my bio strap, all of those are in airplane mode, right? It's like the the lesser of the evils, you know, I would say like, I think some people have probably even more EMFs in their bedroom that they're not even aware of. So I'm like, I've gotten rid of everything except that. And I'm going to see if it doesn't make a big difference, then maybe it's not worth it, but I'm willing to keep experimenting. Yeah. Same. I did like a quick spot check with my EMF reader and it really was kind of negligible. Uh, maybe That's I'll good. test it again because sometimes that thing is kind of erratic. It jumps all over the place. Cause I think, you know, there can be a lot of different variables or stimulus around it, but I'll check it again, but it didn't really seem to jump out as something significant. And also I have the Soma Vedic in my room and also subjectively sleeping a lot better. So I agree with you. It's like, yeah. Is it worth like a little bit of EMF for really true deep sleep, like much more quality and efficient sleep? I think so. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. But also, you know, we have to be mitigating in all the other ways that we can possible doing all these other lifestyle, nutritional, environmental hacks that we all know how to do. Yep. And yeah. another question we got about the Soma Vedic was they said, I thought you can't have that in your bedroom, but you absolutely can have it in your bedroom. 
Um, oh, what would be the reason for not? I do not know. But I've hmm. talked with the Soma Vedic people a lot, and they recommend either putting it in your bedroom, because obviously when you're sleeping, that's really important, um, or keeping it in your kitchen, because you can uh, use it for your water, for structuring your water. So if mm-hmm. it's easier to keep it in your kitchen, you can do that. But I keep it in my bedroom. I do too. I had it in the kitchen. And then when I got the eight sleep, I was like, we're going to move this a little closer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Why not? Why not? So I just wanted to share a few sleep stats because I just brought it up on my heads up health dashboard, which is so fun because I can really kind of pick and choose what metrics I want to look at. So I'm pulling aura sleep metrics. Um, I'll just stay simple and not overlay the bio strap, but compared to the month before I had the eight sleep. And then since I started using it, I have had an 11% increase in deep sleep. Sleep score has trended up 1.5%. I don't know. I think that's pretty good. Yes. And my average deep sleep is up to three hours and 17 minutes. Wow. Sleep queen. Sleep queen. Before... My average was around two and a half hours. And in the last two weeks, I'm averaging three and a quarter. Are you just looking at the trends on your aura? Yes. Okay. I'm going to look at that too. So September, I'll just look September versus October since, yeah, we're at the end of the month. We've had a full month, right? Yeah. Close enough. For September, I was averaging two hours and four minutes of deep sleep. October, and I've had eight sleep for almost a whole month, two hours and 40 minutes. Okay. I, a little I think that's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. My <laughs> I'll take another 40 is... minutes of deep sleep considering some people struggle to not get an hour. Like I am not going to complain there. 40 minutes extra deep sleep feels pretty awesome. Oh yes. Yeah. I'll have to snap a photo of my trends. It's pretty, pretty cool. Now that I look at it. So. Yeah. All right. So yeah, I think we're still experimenting more to come. We'll keep playing around with it so far. You know, I, I'm not sure that the insights on the eight sleep. So it's measuring sleep efficiency, your wake ups, HRV. It seems like the HRV that they're reporting is much lower than my average between Biostrap and Aura. I don't know how they could really accurately measure that without any infrared light. Not, not certain how accurate that is, but again, looking at trends, trends are always more important and we'll report back on the, the larger objective data trending, but I don't know, deep sleep up. All right. Stay tuned more. (laughs) If you want to learn more about eight sleep, uh, we're going to keep posting about it on Instagram. We'll send out some stuff in our email campaigns. Oh, if you're not signed up for our email, please sign up. We'll put a link down in the show notes, uh, just in case you guys are not getting those communications. We do have a code for eight sleep. If you are interested in this, if this sounds like something that could benefit you, we are very, uh, grateful that they gave us a code to share. So biohacker babes, you can scroll down and click on that direct link. And there will be some Black Friday deals, Yahoo, along with some other, Mm -hmm. you know, all the biohacker deals on Black Friday. So if you're like holding out on something, this is the time to educate yourself and see what do you go to sleep thinking about? What do you wake up thinking about? And then make your list and get ready for Black Friday because it's coming. Oh yeah. Black Friday is always the best for the biohacker deals. And if you do get our email campaigns, you know that we try to send out like the big holiday sales, but Black Friday takes the cake. So yeah, make yeah. that wish list. <laughs> All right. Okay. What else are you trying? So Pulsetto sent me their device. We're going to share it when you come for Thanksgiving. I'm going to swap it over to you so you can play with it. But Pulsetto is a neuromodulation device. It looks kind of like a choker. So you fit it around your neck and it has these four 
electrodes that are supposed to touch the front of your neck. Uh, the idea is that it's a vagus nerve stimulator. So it's supposed to strengthen the parasympathetic nervous system, downregulate sympathetic, bring your you know nervous system back into balance. Uh, kind of playing around with it. No like major results so far from it. They have three tracks on there, stress, anxiety, and sleep. They're very short tracks. And as much as I would like to say, I'm not a more is better person. You know, I get like little twinges where I'm like, Oh, why not? Why not just a little bit more? Like I wish this track was longer four minutes on and off. You're done. They don't want you overstimulating. Is that once a day? I think you can do it a couple times a day. You just can't do it back to back. Like if you do a four minute one, it's like, take a break. And there's not tracks for anything, everything, just those three stress, anxiety, and sleep. So they're pretty specific. I've been tracking it with my Hanu, which is the daily HRV tracker, which if you're not into the Hanu, oh my gosh, so good. (laughs) So I can measure how it's modulating my HRV. I'll have to say, I don't always notice a difference. But if I use it really like strategically for one of those three tracks and with no other confounding variables, then I've seen an improvement. For example, yesterday I was doing a lot of things. I was rushing around, did my exercise, my workout, and then I did some breathing on Hanu very soon after I went to eat. So there were a lot of variables. I didn't really see the pulsetto affect my HRV, but it also was post-workout when, you know, I got a sympathetic drop, my body naturally rebounds, the parasympathetic kicks in, you know, confounding, but I've used it on days where I'm just standing here at my computer, nothing else, no other inputs. And I have seen a slight change. So I think if you use it in those specific times, it has helped me fall asleep a little bit faster at night. If I do the sleep one, if I feel like my mind is racing, not that I need a lot of help with latency, but I did notice that a few times. Hmm. Anyways, I'm curious to pass it off to you and see what you think, but it's very light. You could travel with it. So if you're someone that gets like a lot of anxiety or kind of gets stuck in fight or flight when you're out and about, I think it would be a very easy thing to take around travel to work in the car, picking up your kids, whatever. Cool. I like things you can travel with. I would imagine too, that over time that builds up, right? The stronger you're, the more you're Yeah. I'll track it over time. Certainly. Yeah. Yeah. But it is nice to have the Hanu. It's like, Ooh, we have the ultimate metric. What's working. What's not. Yeah. That's the best way to test these things that supposedly improve your HRV. Yeah. It's like a lie detector test. (laughs) It really is. That's how I feel about the amp coil. I put that thing on and it's my HRV is like, whoop through the mm-hmm. roof. I'm like, okay. Mm-hmm. Totally. All right. We will wrap that up there. We'll keep you posted on our experimentation and let us know if you have any further questions about eight sleep or pulsetto specifically. Let's move on to some client wins. Hey, biohackers. Did you know the use of silver actually has a long history and has been used by many ancient civilizations as a means to not only maintain health, but to preserve food and beverages? Before the mainstream discovery and acceptance of antibiotics in the early 1900s, silver was used in hospitals and is actually still used today. Silver has generally gotten a really bad reputation. Maybe you've heard the scary claims from the blue man that took too much silver. Well, quantity and especially quality really matter here. So most silver supplementation on the market is ionic silver, and it is unsafe for the body if used in high quantities. This is why we really love Silver Soul technology. It's not ionic, and it's a true colloidal silver, which is a nanoparticle coated by a silver oxide. 
What you really need to remember is that it's more effective, more efficient at lower parts per million. Silver Soul technology is 10 to 33 parts per million, where other companies have up to 3,000 parts per million. The takeaway? More is not better. Yeah, and Silver Biotics actually has a range of products, but we especially love their immune-specific line. The Silver Soul technology has a natural way of targeting invaders without the side effects. This uses multiple modes of action on how it actually targets invaders, and it uses the natural elements to kind of trick the body, so to speak, and then it kickstarts the immune system. Yes, I love these natural defenses. So it actually came to the rescue to me the other day. I was feeling a little run down and at the end of my luteal phase. So for my ladies, that is when we are the most vulnerable. So I took a few doses and a day later, I was feeling pretty brand new. I was just so grateful that I had this stuff on hand. And guess what? I'm still not blue. I can confirm that she is not blue. (laughs) And either am I. And I've had a similar experience. It really kind of saved the day for me. And on top of the immune line, we have some other products from them that we love. Their skincare, like their healing skin cream, the anti-aging facial serum, and then their oral care. The whitening toothpaste is amazing. I call myself a toothpaste snob. I have tried all the natural ones. And usually when they're really clean toothpaste, they don't work well. But this one is incredible. You know what? I think my teeth are turning blue. What do you think? (laughs) (laughs) That's what the whitening toothpaste is for. Actually, I love the toothpaste too. We get sent a lot of different brands of toothpaste to try. And I have to say, never usually a fan, but this one is a clear winner in my book. I'm definitely going to continue it. And to wrap things up, they also have the wound care product and they have pet care products for all the animal lovers out there like Lauren and I. Meow. (laughs) <laughs> Surprised you didn't woof. Woof. <laughs> so if you want to check out the products from Silver Biotics, you can head over to silverbiotics.com and make sure you use discount code biohackerbabes at checkout to save some money. We will put the link to their website and the discount code in the show notes for today's episode. All right, let's get back to the show. So do you want to go first? Sure. I'll share a quick one. Um, I have a client who gained nine pounds this month. And I know most people are like, wait, what? I just wanted to bring this up because I think it's so important to know that sometimes being underweight or even just a healthy weight isn't, doesn't always mean that you're healthy because it could just be that you're actually not absorbing your nutrients. In this client case, she actually has SIBO, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, and a lot of digestive issues. So she has been losing weight without trying because of that. And no, that is not a good weight loss strategy. A lot of health issues coming with that. So as we've been healing her gut, she has been slowly gaining more weight. And it's amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. It all comes back to the gut. So. Oh my gosh. Yes. You just reminded me. I wasn't going to talk about this, but I have a client. Uh, she was in my group glucose coaching group and she was the only one in the group that was like, I'm afraid of losing too much weight. And everyone else was like, ha, ah, how dare you? Yeah. But yeah, you know, it's personal on what's homeostasis in your body really work to optimize digestion. And generally with glucose clients, I'm trying to get them to snack less, like more time between meals. So your insulin can go away. Your glucose can lower, but there's some people, especially with digestive issues that can't tolerate bigger meals. You know, there's a lot of variables there, but how do we make the nutrition and the meal timing work for the client? And so sometimes with more frequent meals, 
uh, less of a burden to the digestive tract, we actually can kind of calm everything down. And she was actually able to maintain weight by doing that. Mm. So a lot of nuances awesome. there, but yeah, but yeah so I think that needs to be celebrated. If, if nutrition being raised and assimilation being raised was the goal. Awesome. Hey, for yeah. 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 I think sometimes I hear people, you know, people comment sometimes on other people's weight, right. And they're like, Oh, that person's so thin. And I'm like, but maybe they're thin because they're actually running to the bathroom after every meal and they're not absorbing anything that they're eating. I mean, that's a pretty miserable Mm. way to go. So yeah. Digestion. Or one further step just to go into like the eating disorder spectrum. I had a client that, you know, deep seated trauma from childhood where she was never overweight, overweight. She was thin as a young girl and she had a teacher that kind of used her as an example and, and joked about her being overweight. He thought that she could be the example because she was so thin and like, she wouldn't take it personally. So he just, I can't remember the full context, but he would make jokes about certain things and kind of play on certain people. And he, he picked on her and said something about her, like being able to beat the boys because she was, you know, heftier, which was so not true, but that really kind of challenged her perception of her body and triggered this mental health thing and spiraled her into an eating disorder for years after that. Wow. I'm saying that because I see it all the time where people make comments like, Oh, you couldn't possibly have a problem because you look thin. So is it what you said? Like they're not digesting, they're not assimilating. Is there gut dysfunction? Is there a self-infection they're dealing with? You know, could they look normal on the outside, but mentally they're really struggling with their relationship to food? Is there an emotional burden there? You just never know. So just PSA, like be careful when you make any comments about weight. Yeah. Yeah. It can really stick with people for a long time. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. <sighs> okay. Deep exhale. Deep breath. <laughs> I just wanted to share a client when um, it's a client I've been working with since July. I was doing a check-in with her yesterday. It's kind of our halfway point of our program. So I wanted to just kind of start from scratch, check in with her, you know, reassess goals, see how she was feeling. Come to find out she wasn't super clear on her goals after all. Like we had set very specific goals in the beginning. We got halfway and she was like, I don't even know if that is my goal. She's like, you know, I've only lost seven pounds. I was like, hold on, only lost seven pounds? Like, pause. Let's talk about that. Let's celebrate that. Celebrate it, especially because we didn't do anything to make her miserable. You know, I didn't put her on some crazy diet where she couldn't go out and be social, uh, you know, had to be a hermit. She had to exercise like crazy. We made very, very tiny edits. Actually, the only edits we made were she cut out processed food to anything in a bag or a wrapper. So like popcorn, chips, stuff like that. Other than that, didn't really change her diet much. You know, we worked on some meal timing and some consistency, but nothing that you would think of in the form of a diet where you're like, oh God, I got to do this for three, four months and I'm going to be miserable. Uh, That was the diet side. Didn't change her exercise. We did nudge her sleep up like an hour earlier and she's been more consistent with sleep overall. So slightly, like very slightly, again, like didn't make her miserable because she's a little bit more of a night owl was not going to go to bed at 10 PM, but we just nudged it up a little bit and got more consistent. So she's going to bed within an hour of variability. So very, very tiny changes. And she lost seven pounds in three months. Like 
that's something to be celebrated. Yeah. Slow and, and you steady know, it changes. Slow and steady. And, you know, it's almost like she doesn't even realize what she did. And sometimes I think that's the bigger win when you're like, I don't even know what I did to change because you're kind of still going about your life and she's happy and feels like this is sustainable. Like that's a huge win. And I'm not saying it all has to do with numbers on the scale. There's other ways to report progress and we do that. But yeah, I just had to stop her to be like, let's celebrate that. That's actually really awesome considering, you know, you're not on this restricted elimination, like low calorie diet. You're not working out like crazy. Cool. Yeah. That's a great win. Yeah. Yay. So the takeaway is slow and steady and um, that lifestyle changes can make a big difference. Just taking out processed food, like just that. You know what? She didn't even really take out sweet treats. She still has, you know, mm. stuff here and there. Wow. Just nothing in a box or a bag. Mm-hmm. That's significant. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Yay for that win. Yahoo. Okay. Wrapping up client wins. Let's move on to some listener questions. We're just going to get to three today, but should kind of cover the gamut a little bit and we'll tap into more next time. Do you want to address the sleep question, Renee, first, since you're the sleep queen? (laughs) Oh, thank you. I'm honored. (laughs) Um, (laughs) My queen. (laughs) I happily be the sleep queen. I will take that to my grace any day. I'm watching too much House of Dragons. Not too much. I've been watching enough House of Dragons. Yes. (laughs) Love it. Um, Yeah. We had a question about what really makes an impact on deep sleep. Well, potentially the eight sleep as we just covered, yeah. um, but, but specifically deep sleep, not so much, uh, increasing REM sleep. And what I have found over the years with deep sleep, the big things that make a difference for me are no caffeine after one o'clock. It's different for everyone. You definitely need to find your threshold of when you need to cut caffeine out even if you feel like you're getting in bed and you're falling asleep, like your sleep latency is even five, 10 minutes, caffeine could still be disrupting your deep sleep. So definitely looking at caffeine, alcohol, big one. My deep sleep's like sub two hours if I have alcohol. Going to bed around 10 o'clock, that's like my sweet spot. I really get a lot more deep sleep. If I am up past midnight for whatever reason, it definitely shortens the deep sleep. So looking at your bedtime. Also for me, CBD oil. Like I have tried all the sleep supplements, right? The melatonin and the all the new, the Keon sleep and everything. But CBD oil, for some reason, seems to be a big mover for my deep sleep. I have to say for me too, I've gone really all the sleep supplements, all of them, all of them. CBD is very consistent. I even started playing around with the supplements that were recommended through the Braverman personality results. So based oh. on that long questionnaire, my dominance, my deficiency, I did some specific supplementation actually didn't really help. I was surprised at that one because it was personalized. Uh, yeah, I think CBD and what you mentioned, the caffeine, I, for me, it's like, if I go past noon or really kind of pushing it and testing the waters, but that really depends on your adenosine receptors, right? That could be different in every person. And I was listening to an Andrew Huberman podcast the other day, and he was saying, there's not really a good genetic way to test for that. It's really just experimentation. Like test yourself. So for me, noon, Renee one, our mom can drink coffee before she goes to bed. So her adenosine receptors are (laughs) uh, way less sensitive. And I've been watching that show, The Offer, which is about the making of The Godfather. And (laughs) I started it last night. Oh, isn't it so good? So good. It's fascinating. Very well cast. Amazing story. True story. But 
it's a screenplay, but they made a comment. There was a, a scene with, you know, a traditional t- Italian family. They finished eating this massive, rich Italian meal. And then the wife was like, all right, I'll go make espresso. I was like, ah, Italians. <laughs> Italian. <laughs> I was like, I'm, I'm Italian. I have Italian in my blood and I cannot drink espresso at 10 PM. And it I makes wish. me so angry, but you know what? I can enjoy other things after noon, 1 PM. It's fine. <laughs> There's plenty of other options. Yeah. I remember when I was in Italy, we had a driver for the day and he, I was asking him about espresso. I was like, I feel like you're drinking a lot of espresso. He was like, Oh, I usually have six to eight shots a day. Wow. 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 Six to eight shots of espresso. <laughs> yeah. That's, you know, the Italian way. Yeah. Obviously there's other variables here for sleep, but you know, if you are caffeine sensitive, you just have to honor that. I will just double down on the bedtime uh, comment that you made. You know, we get the, the most physical restorative sleep between 10 PM, 2 AM. So the later you go to bed, like the further away from 10 PM, the less physical rest you're going to get. So potentially less deep sleep. So I would really look at a consistent bedtime that is consistently before midnight and like as close to 10 p.m. as possible. I know we have a lot of listeners that are, you know, early birds as far as bedtime goes, 9, 9.30, 10. But if you happen to be one of those people that is staying up a little later and noticing that your deep sleep is suboptimal, consider nudging. Definitely. Good advice. And of course, we'll always refer to our sleep expert and a good friend, Molly McLaughlin, who is, she knows all things about sleep. You can tune into her expertise to find out a little bit more. Yes. We had a question about CGM data. Yes. So we've talked a lot about CGMs, but if you're new here to the podcast, a CGM is a continuous glucose monitor. So you are wearing a little monitor in your arm actually, or your belly or your butt. You know, I think people are putting it all kinds of places these days, but traditionally belly or the arm, it's going to measure your glucose over a 24 hour period. And a lot of people are getting into these to measure their response to food. You know, I just posted something on Instagram today about if you want to mitigate your afternoon energy slump. This is just one of the million reasons you would wear it, but you can potentially find out if there's a food sensitivity or maybe like a macronutrient imbalance somewhere that's causing an afternoon energy slump. So most people are looking at it to see how they react to food, but really it becomes a lifestyle perspective. So we can see how well are you sleeping. If you are missing out on that deep sleep or having a lot of wake-ups or your REM sleep is disrupted, or you know you, you wake up and can't go back to bed, we can look at glucose. And that's also going to give us a perspective on what's happening with cortisol through the night. So really revealing for nighttime sleep and sleep dictates so much throughout our day. I I don't want to be a broken record. No, you know what? We should be broken records. We're going to say this a million times over. Sleep is so important. If you're not focusing on your sleep, it's like why nitpick everything else in the day? Any other symptomology, like if sleep is not optimize and hack to its fullest potential. It's not even worth like trying to dial in these other inputs the rest of the day. So sleep is a really big perspective on the CGM, but we also just see your response to stress. So we can see what happens if you have like a really emotionally heated conversation or argument. I saw in a client's data the other day, I was like this big old spike and she didn't have a, a data food input. I was like, when I met with her, I said, what happened? She's like, oh, I had a you know, an argument with so-and-so it's crazy. 
what just an argument and emotions like sympathetic response can do to your glucose. So in that regard, it really is a stress insight, right? Yeah. It's like a stress lifestyle tracker. mm Mm-hmm. And not that we have to avoid all stress in your life, but if we look at why we have stress, it's used as an adaptive response, a survival response. We're meant to have stress and we're meant to recover from stress. So you can look at the glucose and say, okay, in this stressful event, how did I handle it? What was my resiliency? How did I come back down? Did I come back down the baseline or did it really kind of keep me elevated? Was it a chronic response after that? So, so much of the CGM can tell us also exercise. Uh, hydration. That's a big one that I see people that are chronically dehydrated, a lot of variability. So Mm. yeah, that's kind of a quick overview of the CGM data, but we really appreciate Laria putting that question out, just looking at it as a lifestyle insight. I really, really think that everyone should get one for at least a month of their life. Oh yeah. Ideally like a couple of months. And then if you have some glucose dysregulation, maybe you need to commit a little bit longer, but it's like, Ah, you just got to check it out. Glucose and the insulin response is just so, so important and highly correlated to all chronic disease. Put it on your checklist. Hey, biohackers. If you are anything like me, I am always looking for ways to improve the quality of my sleep and to find a way to be more resilient to stress. I know a lot of people also struggle with feeling irritable or anxious or maybe insomnia, muscle cramps, twitches, even constipation. And guess what? These are all signs and symptoms of magnesium deficiency. These are just a few of the most common ones, but it's crazy because four out of five Americans are actually magnesium deficient, and almost everyone is at suboptimal levels. And that's a big problem because magnesium is involved in more than 600 biochemical reactions in the body. Now, here's what most people don't know. Taking just any magnesium supplement off the shelf won't solve your problem because most of those supplements, unfortunately, use the cheapest kinds that your body can't use and can't absorb. That is why Lauren and I specifically use Magnesium Breakthrough. It's the only full-spectrum magnesium supplement with seven unique forms of magnesium that your body can actually use and absorb. So when you get all seven critical forms of magnesium, pretty much every function in your body gets upgraded. Think your brain, your sleep, pain and inflammation, less stress. And the best part, the makers of Magnesium Breakthrough, our friends by Optimizers, are having an incredible Black Friday special. This is going to run from November 21st to November 28th, and you can get not only Magnesium Breakthrough, but all of the Bioptimizers products for 25% off. This is truly the best time to stock up on these products because they only do this discount once a year. So if you head over to bioptimizers.com slash biohackerbabes and enter code biohackerbabes10, you'll get 25% off of everything. And these supplements are truly amazing. And if for some reason you don't love them, that's okay. You can get a full refund. No questions asked. They are so confident in this that they actually offer a 365 day money back guarantee. That's just so incredible in the supplement industry to see. And if you're listening to this after Black Friday, no worries. Our listeners always get a 10% off anything with code biohackerbabes10. So don't worry. Either way, head over to bioptimizers.com slash biohackerbabes. I will put that link in the show notes for today's episode. So definitely scroll down, check that out. And let's get back to the show. Yeah. And there's that a potentially new virtual CGM coming out where I think they assess four weeks of your real CGM, and then they use that data and whatever algorithm they have to then 
I guess, estimate your response to different things. So yeah, again, we're get a reading for, that email. Both of our jaws were dropping. Like, how is this how? possible? Technology. We're going to look into it. <laughs> yes. I mean, we're playing around with other AI stuff. So, you know, it's not impossible that that could actually be an efficient tool. Yep. Anything else you want to add about the CGM, your experience with stress, emotional stuff, Renee? It's been a while since I've had a CGM, so I can't say I have anything new to bring to the table, but I would love to do another round and test some more things. So, and I know there's more and more options coming out every day of ways to get it with a prescription, without a prescription. So Mm -hmm. I got to add that back to my biohacking list. I do have a resource if you're listening and you've checked out levels and you're like, oh, it's expensive. Yes, it is expensive. Hopefully we're moving in a direction where it will become more and more affordable. Uh, again, like if you get it for a month, not that bad, but I do have another resource to potentially get access to a CGM, especially if you have insurance, it, you could potentially go to your local pharmacy and get you know the, the lowest rate possible rather than paying the out-of-pocket. So uh, I know that's kind of vague, but I'm going to drop a link below and you can just kind of click through and see if you would be a candidate for that. If you feel like that's something that you've tried to get and money is not really, uh, sorry, money is kind of a consideration there. Great. Yeah. Thanks for that. Any other questions? <laughs> not so much a question, but I will just say Amber, thank you. We love you. Um, she said, please bring back Brendan to talk about mental health. And I was like, yes, we should do that. <laughs> So okay. Brendan Vermeer, yeah, we say, okay. Brendan Vermeer is a good friend of mine. He's been on the podcast before to talk about mental health. He is my mentor. I met him as one of my teachers of FDN. And now he has started his own company. Uh, it's been going for years, not, not a new thing by any means, but he has a functional mental health practitioner. That's a mouthful. Certificate program that I am in now. I'm two months in. It's a year-long program. I'll just say he is a genius and he is really just busting so many myths, not only in the traditional medicine space, but also the functional medicine space. He is a huge advocate for just like basic blood chemistry, not like searching for, you know, he kind of slams like this searching for root causes and looking for problems and, you know, um, running all of these functional tests that potentially is just very expensive just to try to find an issue and maybe create or validate a narrative that is not true. So I think the more that the more information is out there, I think the more people are kind of self-diagnosing and that can perpetuate kind of a vicious cycle, maybe a negative cycle or a not so true cycle. So he just believes that blood work is the most clinically validated. It's overlooked. Learning a lot in this course, but with mental health, you know, there was a study that came out a couple months ago. It was like, oh, what we used to think about mental health was just like a neurotransmitter imbalance. It's not really new. They made it sound like this is like breaking news, breaking news. Like, oh, we found out that it's not just a serotonin deficiency. Right. Brennan has been saying this for years. And so I really trust him. He's so steep in the research and he will like pack himself like miles deep in research to really like understand and have good perspective on what's happening. Mental health disorders are a neuroinflammatory disorder. It's neuroinflammation. It's inflammation in the body. So it's not just 
a neurotransmitter deficiency, which is actually more downstream, meaning it happens much later. We have to go upstream, so more root cause to see what in the environment, what are our inputs that are causing inflammation? So really it's like less drugs, maybe more lifestyle nutrition inputs. A big thing he believes in is supplementing with B vitamins. They are, if you look at, if you want to nerd out, you can look at like the pathways to all of these metabolic processes and B vitamins and zinc are in like almost all of the pathways. They help so much. And I find so many clients don't take a basic B vitamin. Yeah. And our diets and are just so depleted. Diets are very depleted. Yeah. What was the stat you shared with me the other day about gluten and mental health? Do you remember? Which one? I did share something the other day. <laughs> like, oh my God, which one? Okay. So I guess there's a lot. I, don't, I can't remember the exact one you shared with me, but I think just driving home again, if you are dealing with any mental health concerns, gluten's got to go. It's not just a fad. Oh yeah. Now I'm really curious. What exactly did I say to you? Like scrolling through our text messages. Hold on. <laughs> what day was that? It was in the last week. I know every, I feel like every day you're sending me screenshots from class or a text about some crazy stat or a new study. Yeah. It's mind blowing. Anyways, I will also, I would highly recommend following Brendan on Instagram. We'll drop, we'll drop his Instagram page in the show notes for today's episode. He's mm -hmm. always pushing out really great information on there. Yeah. Amazing. So anyways, that all goes to say he is an incredible teacher and mentor. He is really kind of elucidating just the foundational stuff that we need to know with mental health disorders. And I'll say something till the end, but I do have more to say about that. Anyways, if you're interested in learning more about Brendan, one, we're going to have him back on the podcast. Two, you can go back and hear our last interview with him. Three, this program, if you are a health coach practitioner or a psychologist, psychiatrist, or even a doctor, like there's a lot of different people in our class, all in those categories I just mentioned, definitely need some kind of biochemistry background because it's a lot of lab work. But if you are interested in this newer paradigm of looking at mental health from a neuroinflammatory perspective and really figuring out the nutritional and lifestyle interventions rather than just taking a medication, which when we look at like depression medications, we see that even placebos kind of, they kind of parallel each other and effects. So like, what are we really doing? In a lot of cases it worsens. Yeah. That's the side hole. effects. Yeah. I won't go down that rabbit hole, but anyways, <laughs> He's starting a new practitioner program in March. And so doing signups now. So if this interests you in any form or fashion, we'll also link to the program so you can read more about it. But yeah, follow him. He is the Holistic Savage. Scroll down. Holistic Savage. Brandon Vermeer. <laughs> yeah. I don't think there are many other names like that on Instagram. So sure. we'll be able to find him. True. Great. Right. All right. Well, I can't wait to learn more from you as you progress through the program. Really yeah. exciting. Yeah. Last category. All In right. the news. In the news. Hey, biohackers. I am pretty darn excited to introduce you to do not age.org. They are a health research organization based in the UK and on a mission to extend healthy lifespan for as many people as possible. Do Not Age has an elite advisory board, including leading longevity research scientists. They are the only company that can guarantee the purity of their products to your door anywhere in the world. 
Some of their most popular ingredients include their 400 milligrams of fisetin, a potent senolytic which removes senescent cells and increases lifespan. And if you've been listening to the Biohacker Babes, you know all about senolytics. They also have hydrolyzed collagen peptides, which promote healthy skin, hair, and nail health, and a high-purity NMN. NMN has been shown to reverse aging, and it gives really big energy increases, as it is one of the main precursors of NAD+, an essential enzyme for various critical cell functions, including metabolism, DNA repair, cell growth, and survival. It is a hot topic on the market today, and we want those NAD levels to go up. Do Not Age also provides a flagship product called CERT6 Activator, a powerful ingredient tested to verify activation of sirtuin 6 similar to what is seen in centenarians. I certainly want to be one of those. <laughs> we, the Biohacker Babes, have been taking the CERT6 and NMN for the past couple of months, and I have to say, I am feeling a slight edge of increased energy and recovery just from taking this alone. Very soon, I'll be retesting my levels to confirm what I am feeling. I have a hunch the results are going to look pretty good. If you want to start extending your health span today by purchasing some of these fantastic ingredients, head over to donotage.org. That is hard to forget that website, donotage.org. You can use the code BIOHACKERBABES, all capitals, BIOHACKERBABES, for a discount on your order. If you would like to learn more, follow Do Not Age on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, or you can email hello at donotage.org for all the information you desire. All right, anti-agers and biohackers, let's get back to the show. I thought that was a fun (laughs) name for the category. I thought this was interesting, all about wearables. So wearables are really trending. This is no longer just for biohackers. Some interesting stats. Okay, the global fitness tracker market is expected to reach 139 billion dollars by 2028. And as of now, it's estimated that 39% of US consumers own some kind of smartwatch or fitness tracker. That's a pretty big number. And I think it's just really exciting because people are really looking for personalized preventative healthcare. I think people are getting sick of the traditional healthcare model and they're looking for a way to take their health into their own hands. And wearables Obviously, you're listening to the show. You know we love wearables. Um, <laughs> I think it's just it's so insightful and so motivating for people. Some of the things people are using these trackers for right now are just something as simple as counting your steps, measuring your fitness, detecting stress levels, and then even some are managing or monitoring COVID symptoms. And next up, some of the hardware that is coming out potentially in the next year. These wearables will be able to measure your hydration, your sweat, your cortisol levels, your ketones, maybe other ways of measuring glucose, like we briefly mentioned. So in the next year, I think we're going to see like an explosion in this market of wearables. Mm. Um, Interesting. And and one of our favorite wearables, (laughs) yeah, yeah. One of our favorite, favorite wearables, the Aura Ring, they recently linked with Natural Cycles. For all the women out there, I highly recommend this app. It will sync your Aura data with how you are tracking your cycle. Part of the uh, app, they will actually send you a thermometer. So you'll take your morning body temperature, track that in the app. It'll sync with your aura data. And then within a month or two, you'll really be able to see what's going on with your cycle. Potentially if you're ovulating, you know, I actually have one client who is using this. She said she knows like within an hour when she's going to start her period. (gasps) with sinking. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. So yeah, it's so right on. 
Right, um, because Aura hasn't really been that accurate. Aura alone. Right. And I keep so, getting notifications that they've like updated the algorithm, supposed to get more accurate, but so far they've been really off, like by yeah, a week. Oh, wow. Yeah, mine's like, you will get your period in the next five days. Um, I'm like, okay, at least we're, yeah, within the week. But the combining with the natural cycles, you can get it down to potentially that day, you'll know. Also really good for maybe natural family planning. So if you want to get off of birth control, this is a really good way to really track your cycle and know exactly when you can and can't get pregnant. Mm. Awesome. Yay for that partnership. Super exciting. Yeah. Also in the news, physical inactivity is a crisis. This was the headline that I read. Oh my gosh. (laughs) It really is a crisis. Listen to these stats. Tonight on the evening news. Physical activity. 81% of adolescents and 27.5% of adults do not meet the World Health Organization's recommendations for physical activity. Mm. And the recommendations are like the minimum in that that many many people are not even hitting that. And among high-income nations, 70% of all healthcare costs will soon be spent on treating illnesses resulting from physical inactivity. I mean, they're linking this to obviously heart disease, obesity, diabetes, it's just insane. And then what else did I read? They also lunges while you talk. (laughs) They also estimated that the health implications of inactivity will cost the world economy up upward of $27 billion annually, totaling $300 billion between 2020 and 2030. So this is not just about getting fit. This is about being healthy, staying healthy. I mean, this is a worldwide crisis as I started with. All right. Are you back from doing lunges? (laughs) <laughs> no, I'm going to just keep moving. <laughs> Physical activity. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so fascinating that you mentioned this. I just think more people need to talk about it. Obviously we come from more active backgrounds. Um, I see a lot of people that are exercising too much, but we have to acknowledge that there's definitely a big part of the population, as you said, that is relatively sedentary, especially when we compare it to like our ancestors and even just probably 50 years ago. I've been learning a lot in Brendan's course. This is kind of a gross overstatement, but the more overweight you are, the more likely you are to have mental illness. And I just pulled like a few research uh, citations that I wanted to share. One in particular, it says, it should be communicated to patients that a sedentary lifestyle, independent of physical activity engagement, is associated with risk factors for metabolic illness and chronic inflammation. And that really is the root of mental health dysfunction, mental illness, you know, whatever label you want to put on that. Um, Also, there was a dose-respondent relationship between the intensity of physical activity and CRP levels, CRP, uh, C-reactive protein, which is a measure of systemic inflammation. They measured that that relationship as with greater CRP reductions seen among patients who engage in higher intensity exercise. Individuals with mood disorders are more likely to lead sedentary lifestyles, which can lead to increases in markers of chronic inflammation. Wow. So if you're listening to this podcast and you didn't start moving, <laughs> start moving, start yeah, moving I, your body. I think one of the takeaways from this is don't overlook just these activity snacks throughout the day. So I hear this a lot, like, oh, I didn't have time to go to the gym today, so I'm just going to go watch Netflix on the couch. It's like in between your Zoom calls, go up and down the stairs twice 
or after dinner, go for a 10-minute walk around the neighborhood. Those little things, I promise you, make such a difference in everything we're talking about right now. Just that, those little snacks of movement. I had a client, I thought, I thought this is so adorable. And I was so inspired. A client the other day, she was like, I'm really kind of struggling to get movement in my day. So I started, you know, making sure that my chores at home were highly inefficient. She's like, when I'm in the kitchen or the laundry room, she's like, I purposely like leave a pile over here. And then I put something over here. So I have to like walk from here to there. She's like, purposely, purposely being inefficient so that she can get more steps in. I was like, I love you for that. That actually makes me feel better because I do that. And I didn't know if I was just part crazy because my, it's funny when people see my house, so it's four stories. It's a lot of stairs. People are like, how do you do all the stairs? And I'm like, I love it. My washer and dryer are on the bottom floor and my bedroom is on the top floor, but like I'll fold, like I'll fold the socks and then I'll take them up to the bedroom and then I'll go down. I'll fold the towels and then I'll take them up. Like I do not use a laundry basket. I have to carry it in my hands. And so if it takes me five trips, it takes me five trips. I refuse to use a laundry basket. (laughs) I love that. I wish I had more stairs to go up and down. That's really great. I mean, it just comes back to that like very old advice of park your car at the furthest spot in the parking lot. So you have a little further to go. Like it's that simple. You can spare 30 seconds. We should spare 30 seconds. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. New challenge. (laughs) How can you inconvenience yourself? So you walk just a little further. (laughs) Yep. And the aura ring, even on the activity tracker has the option of marking something as housework. Oh, I haven't seen that. Cool. Yeah. So like, I'll go back and I'll, I'll tag all of my workouts and quotes of the day before. And it, now it'll be like, oh, were you doing housework for these 20 minutes? I'm like, oh yeah, I was cooking dinner or I was doing laundry. So you can tag it. That's amazing. Okay. The last trend, something exciting that's coming. Apple is looking to gamify health insurance. I think it's about time. So again, they're going to be looking at, I think, different labs, different wearables, Um, How are you sleeping? How are you staying active? Things like that to potentially lower the cost of your health insurance. So again, it's getting back to that personalization, which people are looking for. So. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Super motivating. Cool. All right. We are going to wrap up this episode with some interesting studies. Is that what we want to call them? I think they're interesting. (laughs) Maybe even fascinating. Maybe, maybe, just maybe. All right. I would love to share one that I actually shared in an Instagram reel. Uh, I don't know. Last week before, not sure. At this point after Halloween, it's been a little bit. So maybe you got to go back and dig for it. But a study came out showing that night owls have a higher risk for type two diabetes. So they were comparing early birds versus night owls. They didn't actually say the time, the bedtime there, but I think they just kind of categorize people based on their consistent practices. Um, what they did is they use advanced imaging to assess body mass, body composition, uh, also insulin sensitivity, and they use breath samples to measure fat and carbohydrate metabolism. So sounds like a pretty well-rounded comprehensive intake. What they found was that the early birds used more fat for energy at both rest and during exercise more so than the night owls. The early birds were also more insulin sensitive. So we want to be sensitive, right? We don't want our insulin to be insensitive because we have just damaged it and harassed our bodies with so many carbohydrates and processed foods. We want it to be sensitive. 
Night owls, on the other hand, are insulin resistant, meaning their bodies require more insulin to lower blood glucose levels and their bodies favored carbohydrates as an energy source over fats. So the conclusion here that they found was that the differences in fat metabolism between the early birds and the night owls shows that our circadian rhythm, that's like our sleep wake cycle could affect how our bodies use insulin. A sensitive or impaired ability to respond to the insulin hormone has major implications for our health. We can't say this enough insulin. There are receptors for insulin throughout the entire body. And if you read Ben Bickman's book, why we get sick, wow, he will really like blow your mind about how much insulin is related to everything that goes wrong in the body. Potentially insulin is really important. And I, I know this is kind of like, uh, a little vague early birds versus night owls. Like I got some questions. It was like, well, what time is that? Yeah. Is it 4am or 7am? Yeah. I mean, we can come back to you, you know, more deep sleep between 10pm to am. Hopefully you're going to bed before midnight. I think this is another motivation to use a CGM and see like staying up later or eating later. I think the night owls most likely eat a little bit later. And we know that insulin and melatonin are inversely related. So as the sun goes down, it's dark outside when our melatonin should be going up, our insulin goes down. So we tolerate food, especially carbs, not as well at nighttime. Also, if we don't get good sleep and typically night owls just don't have the best sleep hygiene or sleep environment or sleep choices, we know all that stuff kind of gets thrown out the window. We don't get you know the proper deep sleep. We don't get the rest and recovery for insulin glucose or leptin ghrelin can be reversed, you know, a lot of metabolic and hormonal chaos that happens. So again, this is just motivation one to test your blood sugar two to nudge your bedtime a little earlier and three practice some consistent sleep wake times because that circadian clock, like aligning your circadian rhythm to kind of take the burden off of your body can really make a huge difference in your metabolic health. Mm. All right. Takeaway today. Sleep. <laughs> 10 o'clock. <laughs> Your face didn't move. Speechless. Speechless. <laughs> I mean, because I'm kind of in the middle. I'm not really a night owl. I'm not really an early bird, but I think my sleep's pretty good. I go I to bed consider you. I would consider you an early bird. Okay. I guess it's all relative. Yeah. I go to bed at 10. So I, I think we could just, you know, broadly categorize people that have very consistent, nourishing, sleep hygiene, good sleep environment versus people that kind of, it's a little more erratic. I think of night owls where it's like, I know people that sometimes they go to bed at 4am. Sometimes it's midnight. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's 2am. It's like, it's just kind of all over that place. And the lack of consistency, which they didn't report in the study, I think has huge implications. Right. Makes sense. Great. What else? Quick study, brand new study that just came out linking the use of chemical hair straighteners with a small risk for uterine cancer. Oh gosh. This really jumped out at me because the the headline I saw hair straightener and I'm thinking like, oh, my hair straightener device, but no, it was the chemical like Uh spray that women use. Um, They followed 34,000 women over a decade. So, I mean, this is a pretty big study and Mm. slight increased risk for uterine cancer. And again, this just any of these studies always jump out at me. like, women, please clean up your beauty products. It's, it's frightening what kind of chemicals and other nonsense is in it's that you can find in these products. So nonsense, yes, yeah. nonsense. All right. I just want to throw one more really cool study. You know, I love anything about increasing health span and lifespan. 
a gene was discovered in a certain type of whale, the CDKN2C gene. I know that's a mouthful, but they found that most whales live about 50 to 70 years, but the specific type of whale can live 200 years. So they're like, okay, well, what's going on there? And this gene, they've also done some studies on mice. And with this gene, not only do they live longer, but they're more resistant to cancer. And, you know, usually we think with humans, like the longer you live, the bigger increase for cancer because the over that time, right? But mm-hmm. they're finding they live longer and they're more resistant to cancer. And this is because not only do the cells divide slower, but they're more careful in how they divide. So interesting. Yeah. We might have some really interesting research on cancer prevention. Yeah. Being more well like. <laughs> yeah. 200 years. 200 years and no cancer. Incredible. All right. Just thought that was a fun fact. Yeah, I love that. Thank take you that for to your dinner. That. Yeah, thanks. Take that to your <laughs> dinner that, party. Take that to your dinner party. <laughs> was there one more thing we wanted to mention? Oh, I did. So I was like scrolling through our text messages. I was like, <laughs> what? What did I say about gluten? I remember a gluten-free diet. This is what I texted you. A gluten-free diet improves folate status. So you know, folate, the B vitamin, a lot of people have folate deficiencies or altered, altered folate metabolism. And folate is like major, like precursor cofactor for so many hormonal metabolic processes. And if there's an alteration in B vitamin metabolism, we could see, you know, elevations in homocysteine. I think more people are talking about that, that this day people are blaming like MTHFR, but you know, what are the nutrient deficiencies that could be leading to that hypomethylation or it could be hypermethylation. And yeah, so I learned that a gluten-free diet alters or actually optimizes folate absorption. So if you're not absorbing your B vitamins, we got to look like what else is triggering or inflaming your body, specifically the gut. You know, gluten is a, a tricky topic, I will say. Yeah, because I know. I'm trying to keep my mouth shut over here so we don't go another half hour, but I, yeah, I know I, but just people roll their eyes. It's like, well, I'm not celiac. I'm not sensitive, but like what nutrition are you getting from gluten? Yeah. But I think it's also what comes with the gluten, right? The, yeah, I mold, think the, mycotoxins, the glyphosate, huge mm-hmm. issue. I mean, we know glyphosate directly increases intestinal inflammation. You can't even argue that. Yeah. And you yeah. can't really get gluten without glyphosate nowadays. It's pretty hard. I mean, unless you're making your yeah. own bread from organic wheat. Anyways. Where are you sourcing that wheat from? Oof. Challenging. Right. Definitely. <clears throat> yeah. Even the organic I, farms are ending up with glyphosate. Yeah. It's really sad. I happened to turn on the morning news yesterday, which I rarely do. I don't know why. I think I must have turned the TV on for Rudy because sometimes I want him to have noise. And this doctor, they were talking about gummy vitamins. Should children take gummy vitamins? And he was like, no, they don't need them because they can get all of their nutrition. If they're drinking milk and eating bread, they will get all of the nutrition that they need. I was like, I, I don't even know what he said after that. If he like changed his statement or if there was more nuance there, I couldn't listen anymore. I was like, full stop. Nope. <laughs> what? Like, who funded this airtime? Yeah. Just, Yeah. I know you shared that on Instagram and I reshared it in the comments I was getting were just hilarious. Oh, let's talk about that later. Yeah. We are going to wrap up because we wanted to keep this a little on the shorter side. So um, to be continued about the gluten conversation. Yep. 
keep us posted. Let us know your thoughts. Send us your questions. This is always a fun little fireside chat. Yes, truly. Cause I'm all bundled up in a sweater. <laughs> a true fireside chat. Love it. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Thank you everyone for tuning in. Thanks for sending your questions. Thanks for hanging out with us. And as always, one, sign up for our email list. Two, send us more questions. Three, send us some feedback. We always love hearing from you and knowing who you are, where you are. And that's it. We love you. All right. Thanks for tuning in. We will see you next time. Love this episode of the Biohacker Babes podcast? Head over to Apple Podcasts to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. We truly appreciate your support. Until then... Happy biohacking. This podcast offers health, fitness, and nutritional information and is designed for educational purposes only. You should not rely on this information as a substitute for, nor does it replace professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. If you have any concerns or questions about your health, you should always consult with a physician or other healthcare professional.